Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. And I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, If you've been to church today, you would have heard the first reading was St. Paul speaking to the Ephesians about putting on the armor of God. And uh, this is what it says. Brothers and sisters, draw your strength from the Lord and from his mighty power. Put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the tactics of the devil. For our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities, with the powers, with the world rulers of this present darkness, with the evil spirits in the heavens. Therefore, Put on the armor of God that you may be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to hold your ground. So stand fast with your loins girded in truth, clothed with righteousness as a breastplate and your feet shod in readiness for the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, hold faith as a shield to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With all prayer and supplication, pray at every opportunity in the Spirit. To that end, be watchful with all perseverance and supplication for all the holy ones and also for me, that speech may be given me to open my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, so that I may have the courage to speak as I must. That is from Ephesians 6, the armor of God. So uh, we are living in an interesting time. Now, the armor of God is specifically to fight spiritual battles, spiritual battles. Um, And notice uh, all that armor. He's looking at the Roman centurions as he's writing this because they're all around him. He's Paul is, you know, constantly being locked up and uh, hauled away by the authorities. And he can see the armor on this, the Roman centurions. And he's comparing it to spiritual armor that we need to fight the battle that's raging all around us all the time. So, you know, you just turn on the news and every day we see how things are escalating. It reminds me of um, that famous author uh, William Yates. He, he had a couple of amazing quotes, and this is one that I think applies very much to our time. He said, being Irish, he had an abiding sense of tragedy, which sustained him through temporary periods of joy. Uh, that's a real cynical person right there. Um, he also has another quote that really goes very well with our time. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed and everywhere. The ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Uh, He was a man who was very much in touch with his emotions. 
uh, it's easy to start to feel overwhelmed when we watch what's happening around us. But you must know that God is in control. God is in control. And if you want to have peace through the storm, you have to get close to peace. That's Jesus Christ. Uh, this is all the armor flows from Jesus to you. And we need this armor. When we're told to take up the whole armor of God to withstand the evil day, the evil day, that we'll get to that in a minute. Um, what is the armor and how do we make use of it? Some people might even wonder at the relevance of this metaphor. Why would the average Christian need armor? Well, throughout scripture, we see that Christians are engaged in a spiritual battle. And we're often warned against underestimating our enemy, Satan. Right? So St. Peter tells us, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So that was our first pope. He's warning us. Now Paul's warning us. But I think even worse than underestimating our enemy would be not realizing that there is a war going on. That, I think, is the bigger issue uh, with a lot of people. They don't, they don't really see that there is a war raging, a spiritual war, which has an impact on human beings and then can cause a uh, war that happens in creation between countries. It, but the war first begins in the spiritual. Uh, think of it like this. You know, back, think of June 1944. Uh, after a 24-hour weather delay, the largest military operation in the history of warfare is about to begin. And it's preceded by an aerial bombardment of the coastal defenses and 13,000 paratroopers dropped behind enemy lines. There were 5,000 ships, about 156,000 soldiers, and they're all about to storm the beaches of Normandy, France. This was called D-Day. Uh, D-Day has arrived, but just before the invasion of Normandy, uh, General Eisenhower issued a now famous letter to the soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Forces. And in that letter, he let them know that they were about to embark upon the Great Crusade, as he called it, to bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world, end quote. Now, in putting confidence into the hearts of these men uh, before the invasion, he did not in any way suggest that the task was going to be easy or that the enemy would be defeated quickly. Instead, he wrote these words, your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely, end quote. So the commander, the general, he wanted his troops to understand the very grim reality of the battle that was awaiting them. And failure to do so would only lead to greater loss of life, to more casualties. So imagine the carnage if the soldiers got off the landing craft at Omaha Beach and didn't realize that they were going to be shot at. Uh, it would have been ten times worse. But this is how often it is regarding our spiritual enemy, the devil. 
Christians do not give much thought to the reality of our spiritual enemy, and we often neglect taking up the whole armor of God. I think particularly in, in 2022, the age we live in, there is a, um, a general yearning for um, self-soothing among a lot of the, the younger generation. Um, it's certainly not uh, anything like the uh, the greatest generation that fought in that war in that uh, world war too, um, you know, it's just a different time, and I think that part of that is this spiritual malaise that we're in. Um, COVID had a big impact on our spirituality. A lot of people stopped praying. A lot of people got lazy. Uh, the churches were closed for part of that, so you couldn't even go to. Uh, to do anything. I mean, some ch churches stayed open for adoration and confession, like, like the one that I was the pastor of, but there were a large part of the country and the world for that matter. They just shut them down completely. So then that wasn't your fault. If you're a person that feels like they got slighted during the pandemic, that was the fault of the, the people in charge, the bishops. Now, to be fair, they didn't know what was going on either. Nobody knew what was happening. We were being told it was a very deadly pandemic that was going to wipe out humanity. That was not the case. Uh, I think hindsight now, many of them would have done things differently. And if it happens again, yeah, we would stay open. Uh, we're in the business, the church that is, is in the business of saving souls. That's the first business of the church, saving souls. And to save souls, you minister the sacraments, period, exclamation point, hard stop. That's it. So we have to be, that's the mission of the church. And, you know, keeping people alive, yeah, we're happy to do that too, but that's not the first mission of the church. The first mission of the church is to uh, get people to heaven, you know, and, and death for somebody going to heaven is a great prize. It is not a curse or something to be feared. Uh, that also should be taught, you know, because there's a, I think most people are terrified of death. Well, if it's going to take you to your goal of heaven, then death is actually like a beautiful chariot. You know, you remember Elijah got taken up in the sky in the fiery chariot. Your fiery chariot to heaven is death. If you've lived your life in communion with uh, the Trinity and their commands. So we have to get that right as well. We shouldn't be fearing death because I tell you, the days are coming for a particular generation when they will have to live through the day of evil, the day of evil that Paul talks about. Uh, to re he says we must be able to resist on the evil day. Resist on the evil day. Now, there's many evil days. Uh, you might be having one today. Evil days are days where uh, forces of hell are working against the people of this planet. Um, particularly the, the Christians um, and trying to get mankind to turn away from God. That's any day that that's happening is an evil day, but there'll be one day in particular, one era uh, within time where the evil day will happen. And that's going to be when the antichrist makes himself known to the world and he will uh, subjugate all of humanity to taking his mark, the mark of the beast. Uh, 
and those who take the mark will forfeit their place in heaven and those who resist will maintain uh, steady on course to get into their eternal reward uh, so long as they are faithful to Jesus Christ. Um, now, what does that mean? Well, people, I think most people first would think, well, that's not going to happen to me. That's got to be centuries away. Well, who knows? You know, things seem to be lining up pretty well for some kind of uh, an apocalyptic type war. Um, and of course, we don't want war, but sometimes these things have to happen in order to bring forth this new heaven and new earth is going to be, we know it's going to happen because it's in Revelation. The word of God does not lie. The question is when and how. So uh, ponder this. Now, this man is going to have tremendous power. All of the world leaders are going to bow down to him. So it's going to be an incredibly difficult time for the people who have faith. And he will take the seat in Rome and the abomination will occur. The mass will be uh, done away with, uh, and it will be a very hard time for people that are faithful. Uh, but there'll be extraordinary graces released. There'll be miraculous uh, events that happen. Uh, we will do things, when Jesus said, you will do greater things than I, particularly that generation who's faithful will have that fulfilled in their life. We will have angels at our disposal to move us, guide us, protect us, and inspire us. And many things will occur. But this is the problem. If some, if they take away, if there's a famine, and, and there's already starting to be a famine around the world, there's a food crisis happening as we speak. But if it got to the point where it was really just totally diminished and only certain places were producing food and then it was stockpiled and put under the uh, administration of the Antichrist, well, then you're not going to get food unless you take the mark, the mark of the beast. So uh, that would be one trial that you'd have to endure. Now, God can provide. He's, he's multiplied food many times in the past and he can do it again. There'll also be uh, world wars happening. So there'll be a terrible strife and uh, a terror reigning throughout the world. This is nothing to look forward to, of course. But again, where sin abounds, grace superabounds. So for those who are faithful, uh, you have to trust God will take care of you if you're going to live through this period. Uh, but at all costs, you do not take the beast's mark so that you can get food. That would be a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. You'd be forfeiting your eternal place in heaven. Uh, we can't pledge an allegiance to an, uh, an emissary of hell. So um, I would say even now, pray for that generation, whoever that is, that they would be given graces to withstand that evil day, that evil day. So back to the armor of God. Um, some people feel very uncertain when they start talking about spiritual warfare and Satan. This even, I'll tell you this, there's this even priests that don't believe in hell or the devil. Catholic priests, I've, I've met some of them. Um, I'm always fascinated that you can ignore a whole swath of scripture and just uh, throw it out the window. But 
you must realize this is a reality. And and even more people, I would think, even have less of an idea that the devil has any influence in our world. And I don't know how you can see that either. You know, turn on the TV. There's definitely an influence in the world. Uh, he can even directly impact uh, creation. Uh, not the whole of creation, but he can have, he can directly influence creation. But mostly he works through influencing people. And if he can get people under his influence, particularly, uh, you know, think of these people who've done great harm, Hitler and Stalin and all these. Um, I would say that, that they had to be part, partly if not fully possessed because they were just acting in a way to destroy creation, particularly the crown jewel of creation, which is man. But then think about this in that vein. There's people in our own country who are trying to destroy the crown jewel of creation, which is man uh, in the womb. It's just as evil, maybe more so. Maybe more so. More people have been killed in the womb than outside of the womb every year for about the last 20, 30 years. Uh, that's a lot of people being murdered. Now it's hidden behind closed doors and we put pretty names on it like I'm pro-choice, but in reality you're killing God's crown jewel of creation, which is man, babies, little baby boys, little baby girls. So there is an evil influence for people that will give themselves over to that, even more so for people that promote it, even more so for people that are trying to make it law Oh, there's the, the, the work of Satan is very strong and alive in, in this country, in our politicians. You know, God is a God of life. Jesus himself said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Well, ending somebody's life in the womb doesn't even give them a shot. Uh, it's terminating them before they even have a, a, their first gasp of air. So we have to be careful. The Bible itself speaks of the devil more than a hundred times. Uh, and never is he portrayed as some short red goat man with a pitchfork. No. No, he's clever. He's a liar. He's very smart. Uh, C.S. Lewis had this to say. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Oh, C.S. Lewis, he knew what he was talking about. So the enemy of God is uh, Satan and he we know he's the ruler of this world. A Corinthi 2 Corinthians 4, he's called the God of this world who blinds the minds of unbelievers and keeps them from seeing the light of the gospel. So think about that. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. This is why people literally can't see the evil that some of evil, that well, I'll say all of it. This is why people can't see the evil that evil is, because they've been blinded. Uh, in 1 John 5, 19... St. John tells us that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. See, Jesus came, we talked about this earlier in the week, he came to 
bring forth his kingdom, the kingdom of God. But he knew full well that the earth was under the control of his enemy, Satan. So Jesus conquers uh, the power of the, the devil on the cross as offering himself as a sacrifice for all of mankind, which opened the gates of heaven up for us. But now the battle rages on even more because now uh, it's not a slam dunk that every person will go to hell as before Jesus came. And it's a hell that's not the torments of hell. You know, St. Joseph wasn't in the torments of hell. It was like a holding tank where people were kind of delayed in getting to where they needed to go. Uh, of course, there is a real hell where people who were evil would go. But for the saints, uh, they were just d delayed in getting home to heaven until Jesus came and offered his, his life on the cross. But everybody finds themselves in this spiritual battle, whether you realize it or not. So how can you uh, keep from becoming a casualty on the spiritual battlefield? This is kind of the whole purpose of why Battle Ready exists. It's to get people prepared for what is coming. Now, for some of us, it will be our... Um, uh, a particular judgment at the end of our life, which has gone on for millions of years, however long people have been around. But for that one generation, it will happen uh, at the end of time when, when all things are handed over to Jesus. So one way or the other, you got to get ready, right? You have to get ready. Uh, it is true that Christ defeated Satan. But just as an army that has been dealt a decisive blow can still inflict casualties on individual soldiers, Christians can become casualties on the spiritual battlefield. And the worst casualty would be to lose your place in heaven, to, to, to forfeit eternal salvation with God. Um, now, the devil can never force you to lose your salvation. He tricks people into giving it up and by siding with him. Nothing can separate us from the love of God except us. Except us. So when we sin, particularly mortal sin, we break our relationship with God completely off. We separate from him. He doesn't separate from us. We separate from him. And the devil does this by tempting us just as he did the very first time in the garden with Eve. So we have to take up this armor that we are ready, you know, locked and loaded, ready to go when the battle comes to you or to me. Uh, we don't have Christian mercenaries that fight the battle for us, although the angels do quite a bit of, of helping us. Uh, there is, they, they're engaged in this battle as well. Your guardian angel every day is helping you in your battle. So when we take up the whole armor of God, it suggests that it provides complete protection from every angle of attack. And most of the armor is defensive. The sword is the offensive weapon that we use in the battle. Everything else is a defensive uh, protection. So we have the belt of truth. Uh, it wasn't an accessory for the Romans to hold up their pants. 
it was an important piece of armor because it's where all the other pieces fastened onto and which also held the sword. So the belt was kind of the foundational element of the Romans, uh, the Roman soldier's armor. And truth is at the center of the armor of God. This is the great attack against uh, civilization today is an attack against truth. So uh, the belt of truth, you need that. You need to always know what is what is true. And God will give that to you when you spend time with him. He'll give you great gift of discernment to know always what is true and we have to hold on to what is true because the truth gives us a firm foundation on which to stand for Jesus Christ if you're deviating from truth that means you're in a lie and who is the father of lies Satan so this is a direct confrontation when you have truth against the father of lies that's a that's something you need we all need and the scripture is the, the the greatest source of all truth because it's truth, the word that became flesh, it, the same person, it's second person of the Trinity. That's what the scriptures are. Uh, we also then have the breastplate of righteousness. Um, and this is faithfully living out the truth in our own lives. That's what the breastplate of righteousness is. To be a Christian, a Catholic, and walk in a way unworthy of the calling that we've been baptized into is like marching into battle with a whole bunch of uh, chinks in your armor that there's missing pieces all over your armor that, that are make you vulnerable in the attack. So uh, righteousness is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. That's Paul speaking to the Philippians. Righteousness is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. We are, we're just about out of time. I don't want to rush through all these. We're going to go into the rest of these um, armor, pieces of armor tomorrow and uh, really flesh them out a little better so that we have a really good understanding of what is expected to of us as children of God. Uh, when we're brought into the kingdom of God through baptism, we're also equipped with these weapons, but we have to use them well. We have to be aware of how to use them. So we'll do that tomorrow. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, have a great day. I'll be back with you tomorrow. This is Father Dan signing off. Yeah.